Amen. Praise God. Well, we have been in a series called Good Ground. Uh, I believe this is part 10, if I have my number right there. Uh, we're going to continue in that tonight. Let's look at Mark 4, verse 1. We'll read through this. These are you know, kind of the, just the, the base scriptures, and then we'll go from there. This is Jesus' account of Jesus. Mark 4, verse 1, it says, Again, he, Jesus, began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. I think we should try that sometime. I don't know. Not definitely in the ocean. I don't think that would go real well. But anyway, he is in the sea, and he's teaching. The whole multitude was on land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then down in verse 14, and Jesus is explaining the parable that he just taught. It says, The sower sows the word. Verse 15, And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. So he's explaining these different scenarios. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. These are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it and bear fruit, some 30 fold, some 60 and some 100. So Jesus is explaining this parable, explaining these different scenarios, explaining that the, the seed that was sown is the Word. And then there's different uh, ways the Word is handled in people's lives, and so he's giving illustrations about those. And we've covered uh, different parts of this and different ways, um, different scenarios, the way the Word comes forth, the way the human heart uh, handles it, and the way we, we can potentially handle it in our lives. And our goal is to be part of that last group that bears fruit. But there is uh, a number of ways that um, Satan will try to steal the word and get it to not produce in our lives. And we've covered a number of those things. Let's read uh, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. Second Corinthians 7, verse 10, it says, For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. It's contrasting two things here. It's talking about, um, you know, in the verses preceding about repenting, coming to God and turning in the right direction. 
Verse 10 says, for godly sorrow, so there is a godly sorrow, produces repentance or a change of direction leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. In the Amplified, it says, for godly sorrow that is in accord with the will of God produces a repentance without regret. Notice that. Leading to salvation, but worldly sorrow... The hopeless sorrow of those who do not believe produces death. So there is a godly sorrow, which that's not what we're focusing on, but there is a godly sorrow that you repent, change, and that doesn't have any regret with it. It says, but worldly sorrow, the hopeless sorrow of those who do not believe, that produces death. Let's look at it in the Passion Translation. It says, God designed us to feel remorse over sin in order to produce repentance that leads to victory. This leaves us with no regrets. But the sorrow of the world works death. The sorrow of the world works death. So there, there is a sorrow. There is, notice it said, when, when you're living according to what God, uh, um, God's ways, you're not going to have regret. But it said there is a sorrow, like the world sorrows, that leads to death. It works death. It produces death. It's not going to produce life. Well, does death, if it's death, does that sound like bearing fruit? No. You're not bearing fruit. You know, if it's dead, it's not bearing fruit. Let's look at a few more verses, then we'll, we'll move forward. 2 Corinthians 5.17 now. We're just going to read a few verses and then we'll get into this a little bit. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, so actually earlier in that same book. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, I want to comment on this. We'll go, go forward. Uh, we'll read a few other scriptures. But that doesn't just apply when you get born again. It applies when you get born again. Of course, you're a new creation. But you know what? You're a new creation still if you got born again 10 years ago. Because if it's only everything's made new at the point of when you got born again. I mean, and that's true. Your spirit was made new. But if that's the only inflection point in your life, then sometimes we'd say, well, I'm in trouble. I get one chance to be made new, and then if I mess up, well, then I'm done. That's not very encouraging. But let's, let's, I'll read these other scriptures, and we'll go on. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That we might, so Jesus was made sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I want to read you one more. Romans 5, 17. It says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, talking about Adam, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness 
will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So those that receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So we're talking about good ground, bearing fruit, coming, uh, receiving the word and bearing fruit or, or, or uh, growing fruit to fullness in our lives in all areas. Now, if we, as we walk through life, if we let the type of sorrow or regret or looking back that the world has, if we let that dominate our life, then we're not going to bear fruit. We're not going to be able to bear the fruit that God has for us. He wants us in victory. He wants us to move forward. And we are told that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that we were made a new person when we got born again. We are a new person now, and God has created us to walk in His righteousness. That means right standing with God. That means walking right with God and being holy in Him. There are things we do, but we're talking about a position. So I want to ask you a question. What is stronger? Because this is going to determine... This is one aspect that's going to determine how far we walk and what fruit we bear. What is stronger? Your sense of regret or your sense of righteousness? Your sense of looking back continually when you miss it or something doesn't go quite right or your sense of, I am the righteousness of God, I am in right standing with God, and regardless of what happens, I'm a new creation, I'm right with Him, and so victory is in my future. Regret can be about yesterday or it can be about something that happened decades ago. But regardless, that can trip us up. It can get us in the wrong sense of, of how we're living our life. The Bible does not tell us to be regretful or to be sorry or sad. Now we read there is a sorrow that leads to repentance. That's not what we're talking about. That's when I did something wrong, I'm sorry about it, but notice the, the language was that Let's, let's go back, if you, if you can go back and, and put the, um, let's put 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10 up in the Amplified, if you can. It says, for godly sorrow that is in accord with the will of God produces a, repent, a repentance, what? Without regret. That means you changed direction, but you didn't have regret. And then notice the next part of it. Leading to salvation, but worldly sorrow, the hopeless sorrow of those who do not believe, that produces death. You know you can be a Christian, be made right with God, and be letting an ungodly, worldly sorrow dominate you? And it can be something, again... It could be something that happened yesterday. It could be something that happened today, something that happened last week, but it's continual. You might get over one thing, but it's the next thing. And you're constantly in this mode of just not, not going not gonna to get there. Or it could be, like we said, something that happened decades ago, but is still dogging you, 
And you still, you look back continually. What, this happened, and if only this wouldn't have happened, then that's, a, that's an ungodly, worldly sorrow, and that will dog you, that will keep you from bearing fruit because it'll trip you up continually. The Bible doesn't tell us to be continually regretful, continually sad, continually sorrow, sorrowful. What you feed is going to grow. And what you starve is going to die. So if you feed, looking back, being sorrowful, if you feed that sense of, I'm not going to make it, that is going to grow. That will just get worse. But what you starve will die. And this goes both ways. What are we looking at? Are we looking at back? Or are we looking at the fact that we are in right standing with God and that regardless of what happens, we can get up and go, okay, that's done, but put it behind us and with a sense of hope, go forward and expect that God's good, that I am right with Him, and that in spite of the fact that I am not perfect or everything doesn't go perfectly, I expect victory. See, if I feed on that, that will grow and any kind of you know, that feeling of, of, of remorse or regret, that will be starved and that will die. But if I feed on the fact that, oh, I was almost there, but, and I don't know, and this didn't go right, and you're looking back, that will grow, that will get stronger, and the sense of the fact that we are right with God and can stand before the throne in heaven and in our situation, whatever it is, with a sense of belonging and a sense of strength and victory, that, uh, I can't remember which way I was saying it, that, that if, if you, so I can't remember what I was saying, that was going to grow or that was going to be weaker, but it, it, anybody, can anybody help me out? Which one was I saying? You don't know either. <laughs> so if you're looking at the wrong thing, if you're looking at, if you're looking at the, the sense of, of hopelessness, then you're not going to be you're not going to have a sense of righteousness but if you're looking at a sense constantly reminding yourself that God's good that he's bringing me over then that sense of I'm not going to make it that's going to go by the wayside that will not stay because why you're so aware of the fact that God uh, has made you right and God doesn't get to the point where he just throws up his hands and if we're walking with Him and says it just can't be done, if we're walking with Him, then we're going to keep going on. We're go if we're walking with Him, He's going, and we're cooperating with Him, then we can go over. And if we keep going over, then we're going to press into what He has for us, and we will bear fruit. This is one of those tactics that Satan will use to get us off, to get you to trip off, to get you to trip up. Even though the Word, see, this is the Word. The, the word of us being right with him. We're not going to teach in depth on that tonight. You know, so most, most of us here tonight have, if not all, we've heard some things, and we've taught on these things even recently. So we're, we're reading some scripture and stirring ourselves up along these lines. Let's look at Luke 22, verse 31. So we read... Um, <clears throat> Actually, in the last few weeks, we gave a, an example about Peter, but I want to I 
we're actually going to use some of the same example and go forward, this, this incident with Peter. Luke 22, 31 through 34, the, the Lord said to, to Peter, to Simon Peter, he said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. And he said to them, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Verse 34, then he said, I tell you, Peter, that the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. So Jesus is telling him what's going to happen. Telling him, you're going to deny me. Now look at Luke uh, 22, verse 54, just a little bit further down. It says, having arrested him, they led him. So this is after the, the people come and arrest Jesus. And now they're bringing him in. And everybody scattered, all the disciples scattered. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was also with him. Verse 57, but he denied him, denied him, Jesus, saying, woman, I do not know him. Verse 58, and after a little while, another saw him and said, you are also of, the, of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. Verse 59, then after an hour passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, surely this fellow also was with him, for he was a Galilean. Verse 60, but Peter said, man, I do not know what you're saying. Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to, them, said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. So Jesus told him this was going to happen. Peter said, No, I'll die with you if I have to. And then when everything came down, Peter ran away like everybody else, then he's following at a distance, and then people start to recognize him, and he denies Jesus multiple times, three times. He says, no, I don't know him. I don't know who you're talking about. And then, as he's saying it, the last time, the rooster crowed and Jesus looks at him. Then another, it says the Lord turned and looked at Peter. You imagine that moment. Jesus looking across, he's going to be crucified and he looks at Peter and Peter just, he left. I mean, he, he went out, he wept bitterly. He's feeling, I mean, just a little bit before he's saying, if I have to die with you, I will die with you. And he totally did none of the above. He didn't stay with him. And we're not knocking Peter. We're just saying this is a situation. This is humanity. So this is what happened. Could, could you be tempted to feel regret? Oh my gosh. Look at John 21, verse 15. You know, Jesus said at the beginning, he said, Satan's asked for you, but I prayed for you. And he said that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me. See, Jesus knew what was going to happen. 
John 21, verse 15, so this is after Jesus rose from the dead and was crucified, rose from the dead. Verse 15, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. So this is Jesus restoring him saying it's not over, you messed up, that was unspoken, they know it, they both know it, Peter knows it, Peter is, you know, he's completely dismantled, and Jesus said, follow me, he said, you feed my lambs, you feed my sheep, in other words, it's not over, I'm going to use you, get up, and go on. Now, Peter could have spent the rest of his days there. He may have not wanted to go on. I mean, he could have not even made it to that point where he said, I, I, I've missed it. I mean, I, I just, I can't recover from this. I blew it. I, I talked big. I said it. I let... I let him down in the critical moment. I mean, he could have beat himself up left and right. He probably did. I mean, he was weep, weep, weeping bitterly, but he could have, it could have gone further. He may not even have had this conversation with Jesus. He could have said, you know, decided to end it. He could have been like, I can't take it. But he didn't do that. He talked to Jesus, and, and Jesus knows all things. He said, you know everything. Jesus knew what was going to happen before it happened. But Jesus came to him and said, I want you to do this for me. I want you to go forward. So see, there was a, there was a regret. There's a sorrow. He could have stayed there. And, and we're all challenged to do that exact same thing. At different times, you fail, and you can feel like it is, I mean, surely, you know, we wouldn't say it was probably on par with this. But you can it can feel like that. You know, emotions are very strong. Your emotions come, you know, in 3D, 4D, you feel. I mean, you may experience heaving, crying, where it's something, you know, it is it engulfing you. feel like there is no way to go forward. There is no, your mind and, the, and you'll have help from uh, the devil. Demons shouting at you, you cannot go forward. You're done. You did this, you did this, you did that. Uh, this didn't go the way you wanted it to, and so there is just, you cannot go forward. You know, as far as you may be going forward, staying around, but it's just this mountain like you can't, you're, you're not going to make it where you wanted to be. You're not going to be successful. You're not going to, um, 
prosper. That what you see, what you saw in life, it's not going to happen. Any number of things try to throw at you, but the 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 motion can be so strong that I don't I don't see how to go. Well, at those times. Not just those times, you know, in general, we have to build something else into us to combat that. Otherwise, that will overtake us. If, you know, you may still be going through life, but it can get to where that's just your constant mode where you're feeling, okay, there's another thing. Okay, there's another thing. Okay, you know, and it's, it's not a sense of I'm going over. It's a sense of there's another thing. Or I just can't get this other thing out of a way that's, that's dogged me. Peter, when he's talking to Jesus, Jesus restored him and said, I want you to go forward with me. Follow me. And we're not going to take time to read it, but then in the, Acts of, the, the book of Acts, after the Holy Spirit had been poured out, Peter gets up in front of everybody and is bolder than he's ever has been and preaches the gospel to them and thousands get saved. And then he goes right in the middle of the religious um, people and he is you know, involved in being a conduit for God to heal people. And there is no timidity, no intimidation, this person that wouldn't stand with Jesus now is going boldly in front of all people that, that, want, that did uh, bear, they, they were wanting Jesus killed and want to take these guys out, and he's standing there boldly. That's a complete change. He is aware of some things. He, Jesus said, I still want to use you. I still want you to go forward. And he was aware of some things, you know, it's just in its infancy, but he knows God has his back. And he's in a different place than he was. He could have, he could have never, you, we may have never hardly heard of Peter except in a scenario like, you know, you know who Judas is, but that ended. It could have been Peter was one of the disciples, but you know, who knows? I mean, he's human. The biggest thing, he's, he's following Jesus through this time, and what he thought was going to happen is not happening. They thought Jesus was going to set up his kingdom at that point. That's not happening. Jesus is going to the cross. He went and wept bitterly. He could have done more. He could have just been like, I can't, I can't go on, and he could have been a footnote. But that's not what happened. Jesus restored him. He got Jesus, the great, see, Jesus said, I prayed for you that you will stand. Your faith will hold. And he made it through to the point that then he was a leader in the church and changed the world. And the more we are aware of what God has done now in us through Jesus that we are righteous, that we are in right standing, that God looks at us in that same way. And I mean, think about what he did. And then some of our failures are some of the things that don't quite, you know, right. I mean, that's a real heavy thing. Not that we're making light of anything that would happen in our life, but 
in the spite of heavy things, we can, we can be more aware of what God has done through Jesus to the point that we put that other stuff behind on a continual basis and we press forward and we go on with God. Not one time. I mean, it'd be nice if you just had to do that once and get over something and then, boy, that's it. But, you know, life is in front of you and life happens. And so things don't go necessarily. This is not a bad confession. We live in a fallen world. Stuff can happen. See, Satan wants you to react as if that is it. See, he, he controls some part of this world, and he, he can get you to think, oh, well, that happened. That means God's not with you. If you buy that lie, you can start sorrowing, looking back, and say, wait a minute, so what? God's with me. I am in right standing with God. And I am going to do what God has for me to do. He is for me. I am righteous. That means, that's not a religious term. That means I am in right standing with Him. Well, if I'm in right standing with Him, I'm going in joint, like, you know, joined arms with Him. Then that means I can go through. That means if something doesn't go right, so what? I'm still joined arms with God. That means I'm still going over. Look at Philippians 3, verse 7. <clears throat> We're talking about getting that place where, where we are bearing fruit. Well, look at Peter's life. There was a whole lot of fruit that he was going to bear, but if he, he could have stopped it. Or he could have still been you know, limping along and being one of the people that, you know, I, I'm part of the church, but no leader. He's, he, he's condemned the rest of his existence. He's just somebody that follows whoever did step up. But that's not what happened. He was a leader. Philippians 3, verse 7, it says, But what things were gained to me, this is the Apostle Paul, these I have counted lost for Christ, yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith, in Christ Jesus, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Let's read verse 9 again. See, Paul say, I've, I've counted all the stuff I've done before as lost. Verse 9, to be found in Him not having my own righteousness. See, not walking by, by just my own ability and not walking by my own uh, holiness. We want to live as holy as we can, but that's not the focus. He said, which is from the law, not having just what you do, that holiness or that righteousness. He said, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. That's the righteousness. I, that's what I have to focus on. See, stuff cannot go perfectly out here, but if I know that I'm still right with God by faith, that can overcome the things that go on out here. And that can keep you going. And it has to keep you. It has to become more, it's got to be stronger that the righteousness by faith uh, is stronger than anything going out here. Otherwise, just life will cut you down and it will, it will put you aside. You won't be able to just keep going. And fruit that God had for you to bear won't come to fruition because you got hit 
and then hit and then hit and you started to look at that, started to be remorseful, started to be sorrowful like the world instead of saying, yeah, but I'm still right with God and if I'm still right with God, then we can go over. We can go over today, we can go over tomorrow and the devil say, yeah, but this happened again. You say, no, but we're going over and I'm not going to, to be kept from bearing the fruit that God has for me to bear. Just from this night forward, keep in your mind all the fruit that through the Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle Peter bore that would not have happened had he yielded to regret. You wouldn't know who he is, or you might, like I said, it might have been a footnote, but think that because that's our lives. The same thing might be in a different measure, might look different, but, but if, if there is always fruit in front of us that we can bear, and Satan, what he's trying to do is cut you off, cut the tree off, cut the growth off before you bear fruit. If he can do that early, then you won't bear fruit, but it's a lie. What, we, what do we have to come back to? God is with me. I am in right standing with him. And as long as I'm in right standing with him by faith, see, he's, Satan's after your faith. If you start looking at what you can do, your faith drops. You're not looking at who you are in Christ. You're looking at just who you are. But if you keep your eyes on who you are in Christ, you can get up. You can keep going. This didn't happen, but God's still with me. And as long as he's walking with me, there is hope. And not just a little hope. He can put me over big. And that fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100, you say, I'm going for that. I'm not going to miss out on bearing that fruit. I won't miss out on it. We're go I'm going to have it. So it said in verse 9, to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the, righteous, the righteousness that is from, or which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now look at the next verse. That's the context where these next verses are written. Verse 12, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that, or, uh, of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. In other words, I'm going to lay hold of that which Christ Jesus bought for me. What he has for me, I will obtain. Verse 13, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward toward those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Do you see this? I mean, I think this is dropping in in a different way right now. That, that call, that pressing on toward the goal. Think of Peter. He, said, he could have said, I'm dropping here, but he said, read this and think of Peter. Verse 13, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. You say, well, I have a lot to forget. Well, you're in good company. It's, there's life, and we're not making light of any situation, but I mean, Paul himself had done all kinds of stuff in his, in his life, you know, as a, when he was persecuting the church. 
But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, doesn't matter if it's behind this afternoon, doesn't matter if it's behind yesterday, not five, if it's five years ago, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. See, we don't know everything that's ahead, but Satan will try to cut you off before you bear fruit there. So it's ahead. It's ahead. I'm forgetting this behind so I can go ahead, and I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What's that? That's the bearing fruit. I'm going to press on toward that goal. I'm going to come up and I will bear the fruit that God has ordained for me to bear. And Satan will try to tell you, no, quit now. No, it's not worth it. No, you're just going to run into it tomorrow. Our attitude needs to be, and if I run into it tomorrow, God is with me and I am right, and right standing with him and I will go over and start getting offensive about it instead of like, oh, it's going to happen. Well, I don't care. We are in a world where it's fallen and there will be challenges, but we can go over. Just say that God's still hooked up with me. How can you believe God is hooked up with you, even if stuff didn't go perfect? Because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we've been made righteous, we have to get so righteousness-minded and right-standing with God-minded, knowing that we will be with Him no matter what. That can take us through and over. Every time. Philippians 3.13 in the CEB said, Brothers and sisters, I myself don't think I've reached it, but I do this one thing. I forget about the things behind me, and I reach out for those things ahead of me. Reach out for those things that we know is coming. You don't, you don't maybe see everything. You don't know what it's going to look like, but you know it's good if it's in God. He's faithful. What does last year's crop have to do with this year's harvest? What does tomorrow or yesterday's something that happened have to do with what we're going to do today or next week? The past is the past. We have to cut it off and say, I'm going forward and it's still pressing on toward that. Let's read this in Isaiah 43 as we're closing, I think. Isaiah 43, 16 says, Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie together and they shall not rise. They are extinguished. They are quenched like a wick. Verse 18, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you... Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Let's look at that part again. Verse 18. Do not remember the former things. Don't remember the things. You know, there's places in the Bible where there are memorials. There are things God told us to remember. He, there's things that he said. You know, even communion is remembering what God did. There is, a, there is a, that type of looking back, but not when we're looking at things that, that are failure, things that are not where God wants us to bring. Those are not the things that we're to look at. If the things are not where he wants us, we don't look at them. God is not stuck, ever. He is always looking forward. God never gets to the point where he's like, well, yeah, but, but, but look, look here. He's always, no, I can do something. 
It says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert where there seems to be no way. Where the enemy will go, no, this has happened, this has happened, this has happened, this has happened. You know, he could have told Peter, give up, man. You can't do any worse than that. You failed in the critical moment. You don't have what it takes. You, maybe, some of, you know, everybody was gone. Everybody left. But Satan, he was beating him up, you know, and he could have he he listened to that and said, yeah, you're right, there's no way. But God is saying, I will make a way, and if you look to me, I'll help you. But you have to keep that link. If you get that link severed, that you don't think you're in right standing, you start looking at you, Satan will defeat you every time. But if we keep strong in that we know him and that because of faith in him, we can stand, doesn't matter if stuff doesn't go right, a number of times we can get up and say, yeah, but he's still with me. That means there's a way. He'll make a way. It doesn't look like it, but there's a way. I'm going to get up and go on. I will bear fruit. And if we don't stop, we will. Amen.